When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, folks, and welcome to Cudlow. I'm Larry Cudlow. So the whole world is watching the Fannie Willis, Nathan Wade, corruption saga spectacle in real time. They lied. They're likely to be disqualified. The case is likely to be thrown out of court. We're going to have Greg Jarrett and former Justice Department official Kerry Kupek Urban in just a few moments. Laura Trump will be coming around to talk about Democratic lawfare, weaponization, and the 2024 election. Oh, by the way, the bloom is off the temporary Biden economic rose. Retail sales and manufacturing both plunged in January. We've got Kevin Hassett, Mr. Wonderful Kevin O'Leary, and Breitbart's John Kearney to weigh in on all that. But first up, let's go right to our own Grady Trimble, who was standing by in D.C. I know it's a real live time, uh, Grady, but what can you tell us? Boy, what a day, Larry, for former President Trump. That hearing in Atlanta is still going on. I know you just showed a picture of it as District Attorney Fawny Willis is seated on the stand right now taking questions from former President Trump's lawyers as well as other co-defendants' lawyers. And it is getting heated at times. But I want to start with New York, where a judge set a trial date in what could be the first of several criminal trials this year for former President Trump. Trump was in that courtroom when the judge decided that trial will start on March 25th in the case brought by Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg. Former president accused of covering up hush money payments while he was campaigning back in 2016. This trial could last weeks, and Trump argues it is part of a witch hunt against him. So it's a very unfair situation. They want to keep me nice and busy so I can't campaign so hard. But maybe we won't have to campaign so hard because the other side is incompetent. The other side's done a horrible job running this country. Now back to Georgia, where lawyers for former President Trump and his co-defendants are trying to derail the state's election interference case against them. They're alleging District Attorney Fonnie Willis had an improper relationship with the lead prosecutor in the case, Nathan Wade, and that the two may have made money off of this case. Wade testified today their relationship started after Willis hired him to lead the case. But another witness, a former friend and co-worker of Willis, the district attorney, contradicted that. And now, as I mentioned, lawyers are probing Willis herself. And at times she's getting testy. I very much want to be here, so I'm not a hostile witness. I very much want to be here. Not so much that you're hostile, Ms. Willis. It'd be an adverse witness. Your interests are opposed to Ms. Merchant's. Ms. Merchant's interests are contrary to democracy, Your Honor, not to mine. Okay, and in another case tomorrow, the judge in that case in New York could issue a ruling in a civil fraud case against the former president and his company. Also today, a reporter asked former President Trump when he'll be able to campaign if he's tied up in court so much. He retorted, Larry, that he'll do it in the evening. Larry? And I'm sure he will. And I'm sure he'll do a great job. By the way, you can look at Fannie Willis's, uh look at her body language and tell me that's not 
hostile and angry and over-aggressive. Anyway, Grady Trimble, thanks. Now, a couple thoughts from me. So, in a Fulton County, Georgia courtroom today, the legal and political travesty known as the Fannie Willis case has blown sky high. Let's face it. Sex lies and videotape doesn't even do it justice. Now, as a non-lawyer, I'll insert the word allegation. But the televised hearing today answered most of these allegations as real-time facts. From the testimony of Special Prosecutor Nathan Wade, particularly, but also the real-time testimony of Fani's former friend and co-worker. It's very clear there was a romantic relationship between Wade and Willis going back many years, well before the criminal indictment charges were brought against Mr. Trump and other defendants. So, point number one for me, Willis and Wade lied. She was having an affair. She appointed him special prosecutor. She ginned up this wacko Rico racketeering case that has no merit. She paid him something around 700 grand. They were romantically involved. They went on trips together. All was paid for by public taxpayer trough. So they must both resign immediately. And they are both disqualified from the case. And the case should be dismissed. What's more, the rest of the Fulton County DA's office should suffer a major resignation wave because they knew all about it and did not raise their hand to publicly object. And this whole pathetic tale of democratic corruption should be a lesson to the entire country that it is time for change. Now, don't forget, Wade and Willis spent a good amount of time in the Biden White House undoubtedly getting coached about how to proceed in their weaponized lawfare attack on Donald Trump. That's really at the heart of this, with the usual Democratic corruption layered on top of it. Investigative journalist Matt Taibbi spelled it out in his explosive article, The Electoral Fix is Already In. He called it a lawfare election. He noted how Democrats were planning to sabotage the entire 2024 election game he described the Transition Integrity Project, led by Jennifer Granholm, John Podesta, Donna Brazile, and others, who are gathering to war game contested election scenarios. They were ready for Trump insurrection, but Mr. Trump didn't insurrect anything. Never charged, never convicted. What has happened is that the Democrats are insurrectionists from the White House on down. The Fannie willis nathan Way catastrophe is just a bunch of dirt and grime near the bottom of the greasy political pole in the once great city of Atlanta, which itself has been dragged into lawlessness and crime by left-wing progressive Democrats. Democrats like these look at government not as a noble calling, but as a way to get rich off the public taxpayer trough, a way to use government power to enrich themselves and prosecute their opponents. The Democratic Party has become a corrupt party from top to bottom, from Joe Biden influence peddling to election sabotage to weaponized lawfare to Russian hoaxes to throwing Donald Trump in jail for 700 years and through constant lying to the public. And I will say, as a former Democrat many, many years ago, it wasn't always this way in that party. But the further left the party has gone, the further the party's collectivist embrace of big government socialism, the more corrupt the Democrats have become. The Fannie Willis episode is just one more example of Democratic corruption, and that is why it is so essential.
that Donald Trump be elected president to clean the stables and drain the swamp. All right. That is my take. Now, for more on this, let's bring in some experts. Carrie Kupek Urban, Fox News legal editor, former Trump uh, Justice Department legal counselor, and my great pal Greg Jarrett, Fox News legal analyst and the author of the Constitution of the United States and other patriotic documents. Thanks to both of you. Carrie, lead us off. You've been covering this wall to wall. Um, my condolences. You're very good and sturdy. It's a hell of a day. The whole world is watching. Um, but I think it's a pretty sad tale. Give me your first uh, your first take on. Am I too hard on this? I, I want them out. Disqualified. They lied. Throw the jury out. Throw the case out. And I think the Fulton County D.A.'s office should be thrown out, too. Am I being too hard on that? I'll just say I'm not the lawyer. So I'll just make these crazy assertions. What do you think? This was definitely a bad day for the Democrats' lawfare campaign against former President Trump. Uh, the testimony from Ms. Willis's friend this morning was devastating, where the friend uh, basically said that both Willis and Wade were lying about when their relationship began. And as Larry is why that point, why that matters uh, is because they it all that could um, result in disqualification because they put something that was false in a court filing. Now, of course, both Willis and Wade are disputing that. Then the other thing that's come up that's been very murky and I think is raising the antenna of legal analysts across the board, whether they're Republicans or Democrats, is this use of cash. The fact mm -hmm. that they were constantly paying each other back in cash, which we know is not traceable. But here's what makes no sense about that. If they were, in fact, paying each other back to avoid the appearance of impropriety, should something like this <laughs> come up, then why in the world would you use cash? You would use some kind of app or something that you could point to when, you know, people question the ethics around what was happening. So this is not a good day uh, for, for Willis. And I think that's why she probably stormed down to the courtroom. I think she thought her boyfriend wasn't doing a good job, uh, knew it was very bad for both of them. And so she went down there and decided to take care of business herself. Whether that proves to be a good judgment call or not remains to be seen. Well, a woman scorned. I don't know. Yesterday was Valentine's <laughs> Day. Today is the day after Valentine's <laughs> Day. Maybe they should have happened yesterday. Greg Jarrett, nobody uses cash. Nobody uses cash unless you're trying. You know, no. mobsters use cash. Okay, cartels use cash. Real people don't use cash. Law-abiding people don't use cash, and public servants don't start shelling out hundreds of thousands of dollars of cash. That's not what they do unless you're a Democrat and you're lying and you're stealing from yeah, the taxpayers. It, she. It, it makes no sense. It's bizarre. She tried to blame it on her dad, saying at one point. I don't know why a black man would want to hoard so much cash, but that's what he taught me. Well, I don't know about um, that. Look, overall, yeah. I think you're right, Larry. It was a devastating day for Fonnie Willis. The first uh, witness said the affair began two full years before Nathan Wade was hired by the D.A. Uh, and the friend said, look, I observed uh, their romantic relationship firsthand. So if believed, that puts a lie to their sworn statements to the court. And, you know, perjury is a serious stuff. Mm -hmm. That alone would disqualify them. But, you know, then Wade takes the stand. He makes matters a whole lot worse with absurd statements. And I think Kerry's right. That's why Willis suddenly stood out of the back of the courtroom, waved her opposition to testifying, and volunteered to take the stand. But boy, from the outset, she was angry. She was hostile. Uh, she had to be admonished by the judge. At one point, 15 minutes ago, she starts screaming at the judge. He sure. bangs the gavel and calls a halt to it, uh, a recess. And you could see that the other lawyers were filing into the judge's chambers to try to figure this out. Willis admitted 
the sexual affair, but insisted it didn't start until after Wade was hired, a not lie. before. A lie. That a, a does not. A, it doesn't make disingen- any difference. Right. That's if, the point. It's an absolutely yeah, disingenuous. It's a lie, but it uh, doesn't over the matter. Edge lie. It is they got still caught. a severe conflict of interest. Yes, in real it time. It creates an impropriety which she vowed publicly she would never do. Right. It violates the canons and, of ethics. That alone should disqualify both her and Wade. And I don't care. Listen, you know, I don't care if they have an affair, a romance, none of my business. It's none of anybody's business. Until, Carrie, it becomes the public's business and the right. taxpayer's and, business. And you know what's so... There's, there's tragedies here left and right. Because, look, I'm of an age... I remember when... Atlanta, Georgia, was just a fabulous, growing, bursting city, uh, a wonderful place. Uh, business flocked to Hotlanta, Georgia. That's what they used to call it, Hotlanta, Georgia. This was before the Democratic machine. This was before it became a collectivist, socialist, corrupt-laden government. Uh, the home of the civil rights movement, Martin Luther King. I mean, I could go on and on about how wonderful Atlanta was. Now you have the outlying counties in Atlanta trying to leave Fulton County and secede because it's gotten so bad because of the Democratic corruption for people carry just like Fonnie Willis and her boyfriend or whatever he is. You know, they're lying. They're lying and they're using... This is right out of what Matt Taibbi said last night on our show in that explosive investigative article that he wrote. This is from the Democratic Playbook. This is from the Democratic Playbook of lawfare and weaponization. And don't forget, Kerry, I'm sure you have it. The evidence has shown, the reports are very clear, that both Wade and Willis spent a goodly amount of time in the White House. What do you think they were doing, Kerry? You think they were so that, talking? You think they were talking about uh, cutting marginal tax rates or the M2 money supply, <laughs> or do you think maybe they were talking about ginning up something to put Donald Trump in jail for another 700 years? What do you think? It's an outstanding question that a lot of us want to know the answer to. I don't think we're going to find it out today, but it's it, exactly why did Nathan Wade bill so many hours for White House meetings? What were those meetings about? Yep. Uh, you know, especially when he's meet. You know, you're meeting with. The political, you know, it's I don't have to get into all of why it's so obviously bad, but um, it raises a lot of questions about the White House coordination, collaboration. Of course, we've not heard back from the White House about what those meetings were, but um, we're waiting to hear whether in a different case, a related case, the judge will make those documents available because a a co-defendant has asked for him to do so. We haven't gotten an answer on that yet, but it'll be interesting to see what that turns up. Greg Jarrett, what point do you throw the whole case out? Well, this is going to be a tough one uh, for the judge. I I think he absolutely needs to disqualify both Willis and Wade for their uh, romantic affair. Uh, You know, as I say, it's a conflict of interest. It's impropriety. It's everything under the sun in the canons of ethics. But if it has so tainted the creation and the procedures in the case, then I think it's incumbent upon the judge to do one of two things, either dismiss the case entirely or send it over, Larry, to a different district attorney's office. And I think if fresh prosecutorial eyes took a look at this, they would see it for what it is. It is and has always been a legally unsound case in which Willis contorted the racketeering statute to try to fit facts like a square peg into a round hole. 
I, you know, and I think other prosecutors would dismiss the case. It's just not viable. All right. Greg Jarrett, thank you. Kerry Kupek-Gurban, we appreciate having you on our show and the work you're doing all day today. It's a great initiation into the whole world. Anyway, thanks to both of you. Folks, we're going to take a quick break before we're going to talk to Laura Trump. And we're going to talk to her about democratic lawfare, weaponization, and the 2024 election. She's going to be a big uh, wheel on the Republican National Committee. I hope the RNC is ready because Democrats are going to come at them. They're going to try to steal the election. You know that. You know that. Anyway, we'll see more with the Fannie Willis episode when all that gets thrown out of court, as it should. I'm Kudlow. We will be right back. A woman scorned. Hey, folks, it's your man, Keyshawn Johnson, here to talk about Angie, formerly known as Angie's List, your go-to home services, marketplace for getting all your jobs done well. Now you might be wondering, what exactly is Angie? Well, let me tell you. It's the nation's largest home services marketplace, connecting over 150 million homeowners with skilled professionals to tackle any project, big or small. As a homeowner myself, I always have things I want to work on for my house, whether it's general home renovations or fun projects like putting in a pool. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it a breeze to research, compare, and hire pros, ensuring every job is done well. Whether you're fixing a leaky faucet or planning a full kitchen renovation, Angie's got your back. And get this, folks. Angie's pros aren't just any old contractors. They're your neighbors, often running small businesses right in your community. Plus, they've been rated and reviewed by others in your area. So you know you're getting quality service. So why stress over home projects when you can turn to Angie? From finding the best price to scheduling a pro at your convenience, Angie's got you covered every step of the way. So get started today at Angie.com. That's Angie.com or download the app today to get started on getting all your jobs done. That's Angie, your trusted ally in home services. A little bit more about this Democratic lawfare weaponization and trying to uh, sabotage the 2024 elections, we bring in the great Lara Trump, old friend, host of the <laughs> Right View podcast. Lara, thank you for doing this. I know you're very busy. But, you know, I don't know if you heard the beginning of our show and my riff and so forth. This is weaponization. This is lawfare. This is, this is insurrectionism. This is undermining democratic principles. This is trying to put Mr. Trump in jail for 700 years. This is just a pack of democratic lies, you know? They're not going to get away with it. That's the good news. But we have to be on guard, don't we? You're going to full-time on the RNC, I gather. I mean, we're going to have to be on guard because it's going to be tough as heck. Hey, yeah, uh, listen, we have to do everything far better than the Democrats because we know that they don't play the game the way they're supposed to, Larry. That's pretty clear to anyone. You take a look at this Fannie Willis case. I mean, this thing should obviously be thrown out, just like all the rest of them. They have all been tainted by politics. This is about election interference, just like every other indictment against Donald Trump right now. You just had the special counsel come out and say, we're not going to actually charge Joe Biden with anything, although he took uh, documents that he wasn't supposed to have as vice president. You can't take classified documents and declassify them. Only the president mm -hmm. can do that. Because this guy doesn't have all his faculties about him. His mental acuity is not there. Let me remind people, 
This guy's the president of the United States. It is horrifying that we're in this situation. So they should, of course, drop the case against Donald Trump. But you see, Larry, they're not doing that. Yes, we better be on guard. We better be ready to go. We need to have the most lethal and precise political fighting machine the country has ever seen. And that is what we plan to do on the Republican side of the aisle. This is a must-win election. If we do not win on November 5th of this year, Larry, I do not believe we have the same country on the other side. Well, we have to, as I said in my riff, we have to clean the stables. We have to drain the swamp. It's time for Mr. Trump to return. He's the only person tough enough to do it. And, and, and we have confidence in him. But, you know, when I saw your announcement about the Republican National Committee, you and I have known each other a good long while. I mean, they're going to try to steal it. I don't even want to be um, I don't even want to be any more ambiguous or any more diplomatic. They are going to try to steal it. And we have to be ready. You know, it's because, look, early balloting is going to happen. President doesn't like I know that. I know the whole story. I've spent time with them as you have. But. They're going to do it. There's going to be harvesting. And we've got to do it better than they do it because they're going to try to sabotage it and they're going to try to undermine it. You know that it's coming. There's a wave out there yeah. coming and we have to be ready for it. And I just hope the RNC tell me the RNC is going to get, uh, you know, back to the top of its game and be able to fight this thing. Well, obviously, I, I have to win an election of sorts by the committee in order to become co-chair, which you heard my father-in-law, of course, endorse me to do. And look, I think that uh, you're exactly right. We better have the best ground game this country's ever seen. Mm -hmm. We better be doing legal ballot harvesting, Larry, mm -hmm. everywhere we can in this country because the Democrats have been doing it. Whether or not where they've done it is legal, that's up for discussion. We will do it the legal way, and we better do it every place we possibly can. Voter registration, election day operations. I'll tell you that I already know the RNC has trained poll watchers. These are people who are going to go into precincts, not just stand there and look at the ballots. They will be able to count the ballots so we know how many are coming in, how many are going out. We need to be ahead of the curve on this because you're right. We know the funny business that happens all over this country. There are millions and millions of Americans who look back to 2020 and they say, hmm, something wasn't quite right there. We can leave nothing to chance. We yep. have to have people voting early and then getting their friends to go vote with them. Right. This is the plan. This is how we do it. We have 10 months to go. It is full force ahead. And I can assure you, we're all going to be working hard in my family. Well, that's the thing. Look at I, I'm. You know what? I'm just putting my bet on you. I was so happy to hear your name up. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's a, you look, you come from pretty good stock, but I don't know. I think you're the cream of the crop. How's I'm going to put it? I oh. love having you over there at the RNC. <laughs> But a friend of mine who's who's involved in the RNC says, well, we have 400 lawsuits. You know what? I don't care how many lawsuits you have. It's the on the ground game. That's what I the actual people in place. OK, for the early balloting and the harvesting and the efforts to start. Democrats are going to try to sabotage. You're tough. We need tough. We need Trump tough at the RNC to stop the Democratic. I mean, you see what they do. I mean, this uh, Fannie Willis thing, this just tip of the iceberg. She's sort of the bottom of the greasy pole. It's at the top. The White House is running this. You know they are. The White House is orchestrating every single one of these lawfare weaponized lawsuits to, uh, to throw POTUS in jail for 700 years. It's absolutely terrible. Anyway, I'm sorry. I'm yep. I, I should be interviewing <laughs> you. I'm, I, I'm very excited no, about I'm this. No, I'm Larry.
You're exactly right. And that is all the more reason that this election, I think we hear every four years, listen, it's the most important election, most important. People feel yeah. the difference right now. Not only is our country in shambles, not only is the world much weaker and destabilized right now with a weak leader in the White House, and, and we see that Donald Trump had basically 180 degrees in the other direction on all of these fronts. But if we allow the Democrats to get away with weaponizing the Department of Justice as they are trying to do with Donald Trump right now, then we are no better off than a communist country, than the former USSR, than Cuba, than Venezuela. We might as well pack it up and get out of here because the United States will fail to exist in the same way if we let them win. Spot on. Um, listen, Laura, thanks for coming by. We love you. And uh, Trump tough. That's all I'll say. Trump tough. That's it. We'll go do it. Thank <laughs> Laura you. Trump, the best of the best. Thanks ever so much. All right, folks, next up. The bloom is off the little temporary Biden economic rose because retail sales and manufacturing both cratered today in new reports for the month of January. So consumers may be giving up all that government spending. Money can't buy love. Anyway, we'll have Mr. Wonderful Kevin O'Leary and Kevin Hassett and Breitbart's John Carney will weigh in. Plus, Mr. Trump himself is up over 30 points in South Carolina. OK, likely voters, CBS poll. What in the world does Nikki Haley still think she's doing? We will talk to Breitbart's Alex Marlowe and Ned Ryan. All that and more when Kudlow returns. All right, uh, the Biden economy is down today with new reports in January, but stocks seem to celebrate, hoping rates will fall. Our own Jerry Willis standing right here. Jerry, what's cooking? Hey there, Larry. That's right. Markets staging a rally after retail sales for January came in lighter than expected. All three major averages in the green at the close. Take a look. The Dow up 348 points. The S&P up 29. The Nasdaq up 47. Let's talk about those retail sales down eight tenths of a percent in January. That's lower than economists' expectations and the biggest fall since last March. Traders liked the news, though, because it's seen as keeping the Fed on track to cut rates in June. Also, three regional manufacturing indexes showing improvement. The New York Fed Manufacturing Index rebounding from its lowest level since May 2020. Philly and Mid-Atlantic indexes also improving. And here's an interesting note from today's trading. Stocks rebounding today without much help from the MAG7, most of which were in the red, except... For Tesla, which was up 7%, and Meta up 2%, I guess it's just the revenge of Elon Musk. Larry? All right, Jerry Wills. Thank you very much. All right, join me now to uh, chew on all this. John Carney, Breitbart Economics Editor and co-author of the Breitbart Business Digest. We have Mr. Wonderful on set, Kevin O'Leary of O'Leary Ventures, Shark Tank investor and author of Cold Hard Truth on Business, Money, and Life, and the great Kevin Hassett. Former chair of the Council of Economic Advisors, distinguished fellow at the Hoover Institution. Kevin, you're the furthest away. The numbers today, uh, actually, I'm going to say manufacturing. The index of uh, industrial production was down. Manufacturing fell half a percent. Manufacturing's down one percent for the last year. Business equipment investment uh, barely above water for the past year. So, Kevin, you got lousy retail sales number. Uh, but it looks like all the government stimulus hitting consumers may be coming to an end. The uh, so-called Biden boom, which was temporary, is it over? Is that, the, is that what's going on here or what? 
Well, you know, I think that you know this, Larry, that there are parts of the country in January where the sun never comes up, right? Mm -hmm. and, and the fact is that that's kind of what the January data are like for me. Uh, the, the seasonal changes are so massive that when I see big numbers, positive or negative, then I'm always kind of scratching my head and wondering, okay, so it's going to reverse in February. And so the market has just like had like a crazy few days because it's really reacting a lot to January data. You know, I think that the, the economy certainly not as strong as it looked a week ago, but it's still GDP now says around 3%. Mm -hmm. And I think that I still feel like the economy is way stronger than I expected, given all the terrible policies and the expiration of the expensing and so on. And so, and so I'd have to say that the, this is really food for thought. It's something to watch out for. There are cracks in the labor market. So maybe that recession you and I talked about a year ago is finally starting to happen. But but one month of data, especially in January, is, is not a lot of evidence. No, that's that. fair enough. No, no, that's fair enough. Um, people were surprised at how weak retail sales. John Carney, I know you follow this very carefully. What's It's an odd thing because you had higher than expected inflation and lower than expected consumer spending. Right. So let me make this make sense. So we see goods def deflation in the last CPI report. All the inflation is coming from the services sector. Mm -hmm. The retail sales data is all goods. There's, a, there's restaurants in there. That was up. So the services part of the retail sales actually went up. But all the – so what you're, when you're seeing this low uh, number for retail sales, what you're really seeing is the price action. People are still buying things, but mm -hmm. those things are, are lower in price – I think you saw a lot of January clearance. There was a right. huge inventory build in December. I think you're seeing a lot of that come out. That will lower retail sales because it's a nominal figure, not adjusted for inflation. Kevin O'Leary, as you travel and make your investments and assess your investments, I mean, I don't think the business side of this story has been very good at all. I do concede the overall GDP, yes. I concede massive government spending, Yes, consumer side. It may be on services, as John is saying. But, I mean, how do you see that? Some people think we've been in a business recession or a flat line. Better to look at it, Larry, as a CapEx slowdown. In other ah, words, right. if you think about what's going on in 60% of the economy, and I'm always an advocate for small business, those companies, five to 500 employees, um, they're having a hard time borrowing money. And part of it's the regional bank story you've been following for mm -hmm. two years now. But every couple of months, you get another regional bank story. And I can guarantee you that loan book is shut down. Mm -hmm. Most recently here in New York, um, you know, community bank, same story. That's happening in 4,000 other locations on the country. So my, my companies are complaining about two things. The cost of borrowing, because they're dealing with the gray market, which, you know, usually um, is, is much more expensive. So if terminal rate now is 5.5%, they're borrowing at sort of 9 to 11. Mm. Um, but mm. they're not getting anything out of regional banks. So that's one of the reasons you're seeing a slowdown in manufacturing. If you can't buy that machine or you can't borrow to amortize it, you don't buy it. You live off what you've already got. I think it's reflected in those numbers. And this is a valid case to be had. And I think in the months ahead, we'll get more failures of regional banks mm. around office space and commercial real estate. Um, Yes, I hear a lot about commercial real estate, but the New York Fed survey uh, a week or two ago, credit card delinquencies rising and automobile loan delinquencies rising, not yet mortgage rates, but credit cards and um, automobiles. Now, that can't be good. No, but think about what's happened. In a matter of uh, about nine months, you went from 18% interest rates on the carrying costs uh -huh. of credit cards 
to in some cases 25. I know. And so some places so, close to 30. Yeah, and so Cudlow you, family will tell you that you've got a whole generation of people who have never experienced that saying. Wow, the interest payment's more expensive than what I spent on coffee this month. Mm -hmm. First time. The other reason the delinquencies are so troubling, they're not very much higher than normal, but unemployment being this low and having a normal level of delinquencies is troubling because we should have very low delinquencies if if everybody's working. Right. Right. By the way, Fannie Willis pays all cash, it turns out, so she doesn't have to worry about interest rates. (laughs) Kevin Hassett, there's a story... um, there's a story up. It was a Breitbart. I don't know. The uh, Bidens are yes. so proud of the economy that when the numbers come out at 830 in the morning, they don't want to wait an hour, Kevin, the way you and I had to wait before we went on TV or cable. They want to go out there in a half hour and uh, maybe push the markets around. Now, I this started the one hour rule started under Reagan uh, as you tracked it down 1985. What's your, you know, you and I had to deal with this for many years. What, does it matter? They wait an hour, wait a half hour. Is this a story? Should we look askance at this? What does Kevin Hassett think? Well, well, just look at like like how much, you know, Carney and O'Leary know about the economy. The fact is that, you know, if the White House comes out when there's a retail sales number and says something that's ludicrous, then it's, you know, <laughs> you're going to be red meat for, for Breitbart yeah. and, and they're going to set markets straight right away. And, and the fact is that there are a lot of career staffers uh, at OMB and at CEA that aren't partisan, that really understand nuances of the data that might be important. Like, for example, in the CPI just now, there was a massive drop in used car prices, which had a big effect on the overall number. So it's actually worse than you thought. I think that having Larry Kudlow out on TV a half hour after, like, the instant response guys is not going to have any political effect. And, and, and frankly, I think that, you I know, don't it would inform the debate I don't to have you out there sooner. I actually supported it. I gave him a quote. I said, yeah, I, yeah. I actually think that our, you know, our team will be better. And also, also think ahead, like, you know, next January, Kudlow's, uh, you know, minions are going to be hopefully on TV a lot. And, and, and having them out there in half an hour, I think, will be good John, to stop, like, the negative slants. John, so anyway. Carney, John Carney and Kevin O'Leary know more about this stuff than we do. doesn't matter that we're in the government. They know more about this stuff. <laughs> Kevin exactly. O'Leary, uh, favorite investment right now. Buying stocks, selling stocks? Um, I'm, I'm staying long equities because... I don't get I don't see much more opportunity in fixed income right now. I'm still incredibly bullish on the economy. But I'll tell you the thing I'm most interested in, Larry. My biggest gains have come from mid cap stocks, a mm. subset of the Russell 2000. Yeah. Why is that happening? Because 50 percent of the market that has to make bets for the next 24 months is assuming a regime change mm-hmm. in Washington, at least a 50 50 chance to a less regulated Domestic yes. economy. Those cooking. companies now are all cooking. domestic revenue. Oh, I love this. You you deregulate, including energy, which is selling yes. a huge discount. Yes. You want to be long now before the market figures out regime change. Because look at what would happen just to energy. It's such Deregulation. A I got to get out. John Carney, 10 seconds. Fed rate cuts. No, the Fed, this, it, the, everybody's overinterpreting this. Right. this. The Fed is not going to cut in March, is, May, right. the June. Mark, the market is too hot. You're exactly right. They're all crazed about that. Kevin O'Leary, Kevin Hassett, John Carney, thank you ever so much, folks. Switching gears. Donald Trump is up over 30 points in South Carolina based on likely voters from a CBS News poll. Joining us now, Alex Marlowe, editor-in-chief of Breitbart News, and Ned Ryan uh, of American Majority. CEO, CE something. He must be the CEO of American Majority. Alex Marlowe, give me some wisdom. 
on this insane. I want to talk about why uh, why Nikki Haley is going to lose South Carolina. But the insanity of Fannie Willis and her boyfriend prosecutor and lying and Democrats corruption. At, you know, Alex, here's how I concluded. That Democratic Party was not always this bad. But as it has become a big government socialist collectivist party, it has become corrupt through and through, Alex Marlowe. That's just my take, one Indian's take. What do you think? Yeah, this is the whole nature of politics right now in America, unfortunately, which is if you're on the left, you can get away with just about anything. Uh, we just saw this recently. We're all cracking up in the Breitbart newsroom that CNN has promoted this reporter who was the main Russian collusion hoax instigator. Yeah. And you fail upwards. You keep. This is the culture now on the Democrat side of the aisle. It, she's going to get away with a lot here. She might end up getting removed from this case. Maybe. Who knows? But her career will be fine. And now she's a household name. Boy, that's really something. Ned, take to me back... Uh 65 Trump, 30 Haley. These are likely primary right. voters in South Carolina, which is coming up in about, I don't know, a dozen days or so, the end of February. What, right. is, what is Nikki Haley doing? She, she's running around the country taking pot shots at Donald Trump for what? What's the purpose? Uh, so I've got a couple theories on this, Larry. Uh, useful idiot of the left. Useful idiot of donor class that hates Trump. Uh, there's no world in which Nikki Haley is ever going to be the, the GOP nominee. She, she's been shut out. She's going to get crushed in South Carolina. And on March 5th, Super Tuesday, 16 states, uh, it, it could become a mathematical impossibility in regards to delegates that it's over. It, it'll be over March 5th, maybe the latest March 19th. So why is she still in the race? Because it's patently obvious she's not going to win. But I would remind people she's funded by Reed Hoffman, supported by the Kochs, people that truly hate Trump. And the longer she stays in, the more she prevents the party from coalescing around Trump to really be able to focus on beating Biden in the general election, which is we, we want to see that happen sooner rather than later. We have to win in the fall. But I also have this, this theory that she might be staying in, Larry, as yeah. you've been talking about the lawfare, in hopes that somehow the lawfare takes out Trump and she's the last one standing, which would make her completely repulsive to Republican voters. Well, that, or maybe, just maybe, she's auditioning for a Biden cabinet position. Well, I don't she, know, but none of it's good. I mean, no, no, no. It, help, it, it, it won't help her. It'll help Biden, undoubtedly. Alex Marlowe, the spectacle Correct. of this Fannie Willis trial, or, uh, Ed, the whole world is watching. And the lies and the inconsistencies and the aggressiveness and the anger. I mean, to me, Alex, the country sees here that we have got to have change. We cannot allow our system to be undermined, our legal system, our justice system, living off the taxpayer trough. You know what I mean? I mean, tell me I'm wrong here, but it just seems to me the spectacle of this. Everyone's watching the court show. What do you make of it? Uh, this is all part of the political system, unfortunately. The, the justice system is now every bit embedded. And we see it the way Donald Trump's been treated with his weaponization. We see it the way Joe Biden gets away with everything as well as his son. So, but I'm mostly concerned here, Larry, with the federal charges against Donald Trump because people are, I think, sleeping on this a little bit, that if their time just so, that Trump gets convicted and he'll probably win appeals eventually. But if he gets convicted at this specific moment where people are going to the polls, that could affect him politically. It'll be a temporary thing. People will bounce back to him. But if they time it just right, this could be a real vulnerability and we might miss it. No, that's a good point. In the short term, he might be vulnerable. Then again, Joe Biden might be vulnerable. I don't know. Alex Marlowe, thanks ever so much. Ned Ryan, we appreciate it very much. Coming up here, 
Why are we letting, here's a port point, we are letting 16 million illegals determine our congressional seats and our presidential electoral college? Really? We're going to ask uh, House Majority Whip Mr. Tom Emmer from the great state of Minnesota, all when Cudlow returns. So here's a question for the House. Why are we letting nearly 17 million illegals determine our House seats and the Electoral College for president? I don't get this at all. Joining us now, House Majority Leader Whip, uh, Tom Emmer from Minnesota. Yes, Mr. Emmer. Tom Emmer, good to see you. Uh, January 2021, you know this story. Joe Biden, executive order that the U.S. Census Bureau factor in all residents, legal and illegal. And then, of course, as you also know, Mr. Emmer, that will determine the volume of House seats and it will determine the Electoral College for president. Uh, I would suggest you want to stop this, but I haven't heard much about it before today's uh, news story. Well, Larry, first off, thanks for having me. Second, uh, this is outrageous. We cannot let the Biden uh, we can't let our democratic process be distorted by Biden's border crisis and uh, House Republicans are going to continue to stand up for election integrity and more now than ever. It's not just about the congressional seats. It's about the next election. you got to make sure that the people that are citizens that have the right to vote uh, are voting and not uh, having uh, people that should not be in the polls uh, distorting the outcome of these races. I mean, they've told, I guess, you know, this is apocryphal. This executive order, the beginning of his whole term, January 21. So this was open borders. This was apocryphal. Um, You can probably overturn it if you had a good Republican president in there. But other than that, uh, the next census is in, uh, let's see, the next census is coming up in June. This is as of June 2023. You've got to change this. I mean, this, this, they're talking about roughly a dozen seats, Tom, and maybe it'll be more by, uh, by the time. I think it's, no, 22 seats. I beg your pardon. Right. 22 seats, Tom Emmer. Well, Larry, let's face it. Under the Trump administration, they were making fixes to the Census Bureau and yeah. the way they count uh, uh, citizens as opposed to uh, everybody and anybody, regardless of whether they're legally here or not. Uh, that whole process changed uh, as soon as this administration came in. Keep in mind, we were expecting to pick up more seats in Arizona. We were expecting to pick up more seats in Texas. You can go around the country. We were expecting to lose seats in blue states like my own Minnesota. And guess what? After they changed the uh, internal operation of how the census is counting uh, uh, people, Minnesota kept a seat. Uh, Arizona did not benefit the way we thought it should benefit. Same with Texas. Uh, It's a real problem, and we're going to need a Republican president. It'll be Donald Trump, and we've got to have the Senate and the House. Uh, There's some serious things that have to be done in this country to put us back on track. Thank you, Tom Emmer. We appreciate it. Time is always short, but thank you so much, sir. Folks, I'll be right back with my last word. I'll just say this Fannie Willis story today is about Democratic lies and corruption and election sabotage. It's an absolute disaster. They all ought to be fired. The case ought to be thrown out, period. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Janice Dean, Fox News Senior Meteorologist. Be sure to subscribe to the Janice Dean Podcast at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to spread the sunshine.